0: A lot of Christ come through. All right. Now, a lot of times you guys see in our bulletin that we're playing at the circuit. All right. Lisa runs the circuit. It's a it's a marketplace ministry. It's a kingdom minded place about reaching people for Christ. And also, she has a ministry called God's Girl Ministry. And maybe she will tell a little bit about that today. How the Lord leads us. Fine. But before she leaves today, give us a big hug and ask for a second. What else has God done? Because she's got a lot of cool things that she can share. Because she's walked through a lot of cool things always going on to the Lord. giving the Lord the credit in our life. And so uh, just a couple weeks ago when we were able to come and, and share at her place, we want to extend that opportunity and say, hey, can you share at our place? And you know what? It's really all about place. Because one thing you're going to find that she mentions a lot, and that's how we're really connected, is about kingdom stuff. When we're talking about kingdom stuff. We're not talking about church here, church there. This. It's about supplying the needs. It's about putting the word out in the community, through the homes, any way we can to reach people for Christ. So I'm to give you a hug. All right, I'm going to get your mic on. I'm to get that going. And you guys sit back and enjoy
1: Okay? Okay, good morning. All right, good morning. Um, thank you, Buddy and Denise and um, Tanya and Temp for inviting me here. And Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> All my buddies who come to the circuit and share the Word of God with people over in Newport News. I'm really blessed to be here, and um, I'm going to pray first thing. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here amongst your people and to be in this beautiful city of Picosin. I thank you, God, that your word will be spoken here today and that anything that I say that's not of you, Lord, will just roll off of people. So I ask, Holy Spirit, for your presence here, and I ask, God, that um, when people leave here today, they'll leave with a greater vision For the kingdom that you are building. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, One thing I'll say right up front. Is I like interactive. Please don't just stare at me the whole time. Because I'll get really. um, I'm really an introvert. And very shy. I know that's hard to believe. when, When people stand in front of other people and speak. But I really am. This is just something God's called me to. And I enjoy tremendously. Because I get to share what He does, what He does in the lives of people like me, who didn't always make right decisions, but God redeems, right? Amen. Amen. God's a redeeming God. And when I started praying about what I would speak about here, when I came to here, I wanted a, a clear word for you. For you, the people who come to this place to meet on Sundays, and some of you I know meet here on Tuesdays as well, and because you love the Lord. Because you're kingdom minded and you want to see your city transform, transformed by the presence of God, right? right? That's what we want to do. That's really the reason that we meet. It isn't about um, church in the sense that our society thinks of church. Um, a building with a steeple and a sign out front that calls it Church. You individually are the church of God. Each one of us, we are collectively the church of God. And we have the power and ability if we are followers of Jesus Christ and we have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ to impact our city, to impact our uh, state, and to impact our country, and even impact our nation. And that's what we're called to do. Jesus Christ said, go unto the nations. But for some of us, we need to start in our own households. We need to go into our own households. We need to go into our own neighborhoods. We need to go to our 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 um, community and we need to share Christ with those people that God has given us the power to impact. The city of Pocosin, I didn't I've never really studied about the city of Pocosin, but I wanted to know a little bit of its history. So I've read a little bit of its history over the past few days just to know a little bit about what you people are. Did you know that this city is listed by CNBC as one of the top urban cities in the country? Top 10? It's like, that's amazing. I was totally amazed by that. I mean, I hear that all the time because Pocosanites are very um, proud of their city, as you should be. It's a wonderful place. But I had no idea that in the country it's listed as like number six, I think. Five, okay? (laughs) (laughs) What's your name? What's your name? Angie? Okay. Angie's right. going to keep me straight if I say anything <laughs> wrong. And thank you for that, because I, uh, I really need that. But that was pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, the other thing that I was pretty impressed with, there's only... The population is like 12,000. 12,000... I'm looking at Angie because I'm expecting to tell me exactly. 12,123, and there's two on the way. Um, there's 12,150, according to the 2010 um, census which is really a small community. And I knew it was a small community, but I think I expected bigger numbers because I live in Newport News where the numbers are much bigger. Um, 29% of those people are under 18, so they're children. Uh, 15% are over 65, which means that 56% of you are in between the ages of 19 and 64. So just, you know, average age. There are 4,444 households And I meant to look up the number four just to see what it meant in the Bible, and I never got a chance because I thought, that's interesting, 4,444 households. Um, And you only have 4.9% people living at poverty level or below. 4.9%, I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing if you check with some of the other surrounding cities. Your land area is 15.32 miles, and you have actually more water than you do land within the city
0: limits.
1: (laughs) Which means that you have 793.2 people living in each square mile. And your city is broken up into three precincts. The eastern, the western, and the central. So everybody knew all of that, right? You already knew that information. (laughs) Now, not everybody in the room lives in in the city of Pocosin so this word can go for your city as well. This is, I'm just trying to honor you as people who live here and who have built such a great city, for it, such a great community. Um, you also have better education in your public schools than 96% of the rest of the country. That's like insane. So you guys have really, really worked hard somewhere, somewhere along the line. And I believe that God has blessed the efforts of the city. One other thing that, we, that I would caution you sometimes is what happens is when we are so prosperous, um, we forget that we need the Lord. And I'm not suggesting that any of you in here forget that you need the Lord, but a lot of times people who weren't raised in the church or who had a bad experience with the church, who don't know Christ as their Savior, when life is going well, why do they need the Lord? And the reason that they need the Lord, we know, right? Because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. They don't have that if they don't know Christ. And so what we have to do is we come here, we get filled up, which you can do with Buddy and Tanya. They're great speakers. And I have tried to be excitable like they are. And it's just not my personality. This is excitement for me. This is, I really am excited. Um but it looks the same as if I'm sad or something else, so you just kind of have to bear with me. I've tried to fake it the other way, and it really looks funny, so I promised my husband I wouldn't do that anymore. Um, Those facts I share with you simply because it's important for you to know where God's placed you and the impact that you, this small group of people right here, the impact that you can have on the other 12,000 people, we'll say maybe there's 40 or 50 of us in here. The other 12,100 people that are out there, not that a lot of them I'm sure are believers, but a lot of them are not believers. They don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when people don't know Christ, they aren't living. You know, being follow, if we think as a Christian, if you think that being a Christian is boring, you're doing it wrong. If you're not having fun, if you're not excited about being a follower of Jesus Christ, you have missed something somewhere. And so, if today I can give you one thing, I want to give you a vision for what it is to follow Christ, for the excitement that comes with that. Now, does that mean that we never have a problem? No, it doesn't mean that we never have a problem. But it does mean that Christ walks through those problems with us. And that he will be there and he will give light. And he is a redeeming God. So even when we mess up, which we do, he's a redeemer. He will redeem you. And if there's somebody, is there somebody in this room named Mark? Is there anybody by the name of Mark? Okay. I don't know why that name's been on my mind all last night and today. if there's nobody here, then it means nothing. You
0: might be um, somewhere like Buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
1: what, what I hope to impart to you today is a vision for your city and beyond, because it starts right here. It starts amongst you. I tell the ladies that we meet with on Monday nights that if we don't look different than the world, then the world has no desire or no interest or would be crazy to want anything that we have. We have to look different, which means we have to do things differently, which means when I offend you, you say, that just offended me. (laughs) You don't go over here and say, did you see what she just did?" That just offended me. We talk to each other and we work through it because we are a family. We are the body of Christ and we are a family. When people look at us, they should see Jesus. We represent Jesus in our communities. You understand? We are representing him. He's not alive in the sense that he's walking with skin today, but he is alive in us that have called him our Lord and have accepted the free gift of salvation through his blood and his resurrection. So we walk around and we represent him. So if we're at the gas station and somebody speaks to us and we're having a bad day, we have the choice. We have the choice to smile back and just um, choose not to speak because we're having a bad day and use wisdom or whatever the Lord says. But we have the choice everywhere we go every day to either walk in the redemptive life of Jesus Christ or to walk like the rest of the world walks. And we don't want, I don't want. I, I work on this every day and I, am, I fail at it every day. And thankfully God picks me back up and forgives me every day every day for my failings. But I want to walk out every day and I want to represent Jesus in a way that's compelling others towards him. So I'm going to ask you to dream. Dream. I want to ask you to dream today, just for the next minute. I want you to think about what if, what if you began to dream with God? Some of you have dreams that you laid down a long time ago because life got in the way. And now you have to do this or you have to do that. And so all of those dreams got laid down. But God put those in you for a reason. And dreams come with risk. There is risk, just like love comes with risk. If I choose to love you and you hurt me, it's a risk that I'm taking. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's our choice every day. We have to choose to love and face and face those risks. But what if you began to dream god-sized dreams again? What if nothing could stop you? There was nothing in the way. Nothing could stop you. What if money was freely available? So it wasn't your reason. A lot of times that's the reason people say they can't do anything because they don't have the money. What if you could not fail? What if God truly is for you? Because the word of God says that God is for you, that he's not against you, that he is for you. And sometimes because of our past or because of things that we've done or people have said about us or mindsets that we have, brokenness that we have in our heart, we don't truly believe that God is for us. But He, if his word is true, which I believe it is, then all of it's true or none of it's true. We don't get to pick this thing up and say, Okay, well, this is what it says here, and I believe this. For God so loved the world. I believe God loved the world, and so he sent his only begotten son. But then it says, but God is for you, not against you. I I don't don't feel like God is for me. If God is for me, then why does this happen over and over and over again? You know, something I thought about yesterday, which really... Who was it that was going to marry the... um, the daughter, my stories. I lost the story. In the Old Testament, he she was gonna. Uh, he he wanted to marry one daughter, and he ended up with the other daughter. Isn't
0: that Jacob, Leah, and yeah. Rachel? Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. Rachel yes. Yeah. yes.
1: Okay. So Jacob wants to marry Rachel. He ends up marrying Leah, and the father-in-law keeps changing up on him. I need to go back and read the story, but I encourage you to go in your Bible and read it too. Yeah, he changed up his story like, I don't know, like 10 times. Every time he said, well, if you do this, I'll give you Rachel. If you do this, I'll give you Rachel. You know what is so cool about that story? Jacob not once said, come on, God. For real? He never once blamed God because this man was changing up his story. He just kept seeking God and saying, what can I do What can I do, Lord, to change the heart of this man so that I can get what I believe is what you've called me to? Now, what about us? A lot of times when we don't get what we want or when life doesn't go our way and when things happen around us, especially if they happen repeatedly, we look for someone to blame. And a lot of times we blame the Lord because we think God can do anything. He can change anything. But God loves so much that he does not control us he allows us to come to him a lot of women that i minister to have been in abusive relationships and so they're they're used to being knocked up against the wall to get what um, what someone else wants and so they relate to god that way they think god's gonna relate to them that way god doesn't do that god's a perfect gentleman who stands back and waits And so blaming God for what happens in our lives isn't the right answer. Seeking God and and believing that he is a redeeming God and that he will change things because he redeems everything. He redeems everything. He takes what seems worthless, which me, I seemed worthless. I can tell you this. Back in the 1970s, people who knew me when I was a teenager might have thought I was just bad seed. I was just making bad decisions, and then, as a matter of fact, a lot of them did. I got pregnant in 1973 um, as a 15 or a 14-year-old, actually, 14-year-old girl, um, and that wasn't cool in 1973. Not that it's cool now, but it's very accepted now. In 1973, it wasn't cool at all, and many people said. To their kids, you can't hang around with that girl anymore. As a matter of fact, almost all of them. And even the church, even the church, after my son was born, I went to church with the one family that still uh, allowed me to, to hang out with their kids. And I went to church with them and I walked forward on a Sunday morning and I said, yes, I want Jesus to be Lord. Yes, I want to not feel the guilt and shame of this because I had taken on this mantle of guilt and shame because everyone had turned from me and my family was embarrassed. And my father cried, according to my mom, for the first time in their 20 you know, year marriage at that point. And I just felt worthless. And so I went forward and I said, yes redeem this lord change the life of this little 15 year old girl so that my son has a better option for his future and i received the lord and it was like the most exciting i honestly i mean there was a change that took place in my heart there was a change that took place in my life my countenance i'm sure changed because my heart changed and i was in love with jesus And about a month later, the church parents realized that I had a boy, had a son, and wasn't married, and they didn't want me hanging around with their kids either. And so they came to me, the youth pastor's wife came to me and said, look, some of the parents have trouble with you being in the youth choir and going on the youth things and all that kind of stuff because, you know... You're a bad influence, and your sin will affect the entire youth group. And I said, "But I thought my sin got forgiven when I accepted Christ as Lord last month." And she said, "Well, it did, but you know, you know how people are. Well, look, I'm, you know, I'm way past fifteen now, and I do understand how parents want to protect their children. But for me, they, the children, the." youth people couldn't hang out with me anymore and the adults didn't want to hang out with me and so after a month of staying inside that church and not being embraced by anyone and certainly I mean still again being given this mantle of guilt and shame to wear, I left the church and I left and I didn't go back for like 20 years because I was scared to death because I thought and over that 20 years I made some, more, I made more decisions that weren't favorable in the eyes of God but I made them out of this brokenness and so I walked I read my Bible at home but I walked my, my faith in God alone without the body of Christ and in doing that I made lots of more mistakes if God can redeem me it doesn't matter what you've done and we as the body of believers have to stop looking at people with the eyes of the world. And we have to start looking at people with the eyes of Christ. And we have to say, it doesn't matter who you are. God loves you. And when we fall in love with God, when we fall in love with Jesus Christ, His Son, there is a transformation that takes place in our lives. And all of that sin was paid for on the cross. Because I'm going to tell you, if, again... Like the word, if all of it's not true, if, if then none of it's true. If all of our sin is not covered, then none of it's covered. If Christ is not enough for me, then he's not enough for you. But my belief after years of spending time with the Lord, my belief and my understanding is that he is enough. He is. The cross of Christ is enough. It is enough for you today. It is enough for you tomorrow. It will be enough for every person that you ever encounter. The cross of Jesus Christ is enough. And not just to cover their sin, but to remove them. As far as the east is from the west. And to redeem them. And to love them. He loves us. Some of you are parents in this room. And your children screw up all the time. I'm sorry if that's not something messed up. But you still love them and you still forgive them. You might get mad at them. You might, you know, but you don't throw them to the curb. You don't give up on them. You continue to believe for them. And that's what God does for us. He's a cheerleader standing in the corner saying, You can do this. You can do this. You can change this city, people. This city, Pecosan, where God has called you to live and to serve. And in this particular place with Keep the Promise, which is where God's called you for this day, you can change the city. There is still more. We sang that song. There's still more to be done in the city. You have a wonderful city. But prosperity and um, good community and good schools isn't enough. Because this too will come to an end. And there will come a day that every one of us will be standing before the Lord. And we'll have to give an account for what we've done. And I want him to say, oh good and faithful servant, come on in. And when I love, I want that for you too. And I want it for people outside of the walls of this room. When I love. And that's the highest calling that each of us has as a follower of Jesus Christ is to love. So what happens without vision? Without vision, the goal in life is to stay out of pain and to find comfort. Without vision, the goal in life is to stay out of pain and find comfort. And all of us know that. All of us have been in those places. When you don't have a vision, even as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you don't have a vision, you may find yourself in this repetitive pattern of sin. Because you are seeking ways to stay out of pain or to find comfort for yourself. Because that's what happens when we don't have vision. Every obstacle becomes something to go around instead of something to go through. See, God's given us the power of Christ in us, the hope of glory. We can go through any situation that's placed before us. Because we have him to walk through it with us. We don't have to find ways around it. We don't have to get off of our path and go around it. But without vision, that's what we do. God says in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Without vision, my people perish, is how it said in the King James Version. I think it's said a little bit different in NIV. It says something like, they cast off restraint. And that's really, if you study that scripture, that's really what that scripture says. And the reason, and so both meanings are true. Without a vision, you cast off restraint. Without a vision, you will walk in in uh, zigzag patterns. Without a vision of being Christ you know, before you, he's before you, I'm going to follow Christ. Then when someone has something over here that looks appealing and you're feeling a little bit down, you need comfort, or you want to get out of pain, then you might walk that way. And it may be as simple as sitting in your living room and moping and spending all of your hours outside of the, the hours that you have to be at work or something on a you know, couch <clears> watching television. Not that there's anything wrong with resting and watching television. But without a vision, you will cast off restraint. You will do things that you didn't think you would do. You will find yourself in situations that you didn't think you would find yourself in. Because the word of God is true and God doesn't tell us this stuff because he's a, a, he's a, a father up there with a whip cracking this whip of discipline. He, he tells us this stuff because he loves with a deep, deep and everlasting love where he desires the absolute best for you always. And that's why he's given you in your heart dreams. Dreams. Hopefully, when I was saying those things about dreams, you, things were popping in your head. Yeah, I used to dream about this. or You know, when I was a kid, uh, Buddy said earlier when he was younger, he wanted a hot dog stand and a, and a guitar to play music. You know? And you know what? And he pursued that. He pursued the music. And I reminded him that out at the Buckrow days, there were hot dog stands everywhere. People were giving hot dogs. Away. But what else did he get? God called him to be a minister. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave him a beautiful wife and beautiful children. He gave him all of you to love and to minister to. And to be his family. Who can encourage and strengthen him. So his dream was this. And it was good. It was a good dream. But God's dream was even bigger. Your dream, as good as it will be. God's dream will be even bigger. If you just open your eyes to look. And the last thing. Without so uh, without vision, it can be suffocating to live within the boundaries of human ability. If everything I do, if every decision I make is based on what I see today and what I can do and what I have, the money in my bank account, the people that are around me, I'm going to suffocate. And a lot of people suffocate. A lot of people, I mean, you'll see them You'll see them because I believe you guys are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when you walk out of here, you have the eyes of Jesus and you'll see people that are suffocating. They're suffocating because they have no dreams, they have no visions, and everything is about pain. And everything is about lack. That is not God's desire for His people. Even in this economy... Even in this economy, and I hear people saying it, even believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and even people who mean well, this economy stinks. I agree, it's not good. But my Bible says that the righteous have never been forsaken, and God's people have never begged, had to beg for bread, because He has always supplied. He will always supply. The problem is, is that our level of, of, of um, need Went way up here. We had these years of prosperity, and all of a sudden, you know, what was a three bedroom, you know, 2,000 square foot house to raise your family of five in and the two cars became, you know, three utility vehicles in the back to play with, and 4,000 square foot house, and several cars. Um, that you drive occasionally just for fun. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think God wants to bless. As long as your neighbor's not doing without. You know, when there's people that are around you and need, and you have the ability to give it to them to meet their need, and I'm not suggesting that we... um, Enable people to be lazy. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Or to not do anything for themselves. You know, that's just as uh, bad or wrong as ignoring the need. You have to teach people, according to Scripture, what God says. But God's desire is that we all have our needs met. You know, in the first century church, in the book of Acts... Actually, let me stop. Let me just say this. Matthew 6.10 is a prayer. If you have your Bible, let's just look at that. If you don't, I'll read it to you. The um, disciples have asked Jesus, how do we pray? This is so familiar. And uh, unfortunately, I think Sometimes things become so familiar that we forget the power that's behind them. That Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy are you, Lord. Basically, in today's uh, language, our Father in heaven, holy are you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, and we also have forgiven as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I know a lot of times people use this to say, "Hey, you gotta forgive. Remember, forgive us our, forgive your debtors, just as you've been forgiving." But the first thing that it says is, "Holy are you, Lord." That has to be our first intimacy with Christ. I know that Lord intimacy scares a lot of people, but that's what God desires: is a personal and intimate relationship. He isn't really that concerned about your performance. We're very performance-minded, but He's concerned about relationship. Relationship is prime. You know, if you if you look at Genesis one one and you study it out, it was that it says, "In the beginning, God." In the in the original text, it actually says, "God in the beginning." God, it, everything started with him. Everything will end with him. And it was, he's always been in relationship. His desire has always been to have relationship with us, with people. In spite of the fact that he knew, he, he wasn't surprised. It wasn't, he put Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden and then, you know, they messed up and he went, dang. You know, I didn't expect that. God knew. But he also already knew about Christ, his son, who was going to be a savior of the world and his desire for relationship with you was so important that if you were the only one, he would have still sent Christ to die and he would have still raised him from the dead. And for me, that's so hard to fathom. It's hard for me to understand that kind of love because I have not yet attained that, kind, that capacity to love people. But God has. He has that capacity to love. And that is our first mandate, to love him with all of our heart. It's right over there, actually. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's our mandate as followers of Jesus Christ, is to love. Matthew 6.10, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They believed this in the early church. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Acts, the body of Christ was together and they spoke out like Buddy does. Just, you know, out on the beach, out in the park, wherever wherever he can sit his stuff down and you KTP people can follow. Just go preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what they did. And they expected people to come forward and accept Christ as Lord, but they also expected people to come forward and get healed of their infirmities.
0: Yeah.
1: And this is my this is just my opinion. I don't have any biblical, I don't have any scripture I can send you to for this, but it's my opinion. If you read the book of Acts, you watch. Men and women of God over and over and over again, following Jesus Christ, proclaiming the gospel of Christ, and speaking with power. And signs, miracles, and wonders followed them. That's what happened. This still is true. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you believe that in heaven there's want? And need and brokenness and sickness and illness and all of that stuff, it isn't there. Is it here? Yes, of course. Is it God's desire to change that? Yes. But here's what happens, I think. This is where my opinion comes in. I think at some point in time, men, women got in the way and something they prayed for didn't happen. And so over a period of time, it just was expected. Oh, that doesn't happen anymore. Because we had to excuse the fact that it wasn't, we weren't seeing the miracle. But I believe that God today, in this day and time, I believe that we are living in the greatest time in history. I think that it is the most amazing time to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that God is doing lots of things. And right now what he's doing, some of the things that I see, and you could probably tell me many more that you see, is breaking denominational walls down. He is tearing the walls down between the Baptists and the Methodists and the you know, Lutherans and the Catholics and the Episcopals and all of these little denominations that we've set all over that have divided us. Because Christ is coming back for a glorious bride. And the Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. Again, if any of it's true, all of it's true, or if all of it's true, or all of it, if some of it's a lie, all of it's a lie. So if a house together, I mean, is divided against itself, cannot stand, then we, the church, cannot be divided against itself. How important is it that you and I agree as to whether we get sprinkled or not? We don't have to agree on that. We have to agree on Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only true and living Savior of the world. The one whose blood was shed for you and I and for our sins to cover us and to give us a clean heart for the sin that you committed yesterday, for the sin you will commit today, and for the sin you'll commit tomorrow, and even as important for the sin that was committed against you. Because some of us had sins committed against us as young people. And that's what separated your heart from God. It's because you can't get past that pain. But Christ's blood was enough for that too. It was enough. It is enough to bring healing to your heart. Um, The next thing I wrote there is attitude and perspective. The nature of slavery is that people don't think. If you don't think, they won't dream. And part of the problem with denominational walls... That have been in the past, as we have become slaves to that, whoever set the rules for that belief system. And we didn't challenge it, we didn't read the Bible, we just believed. We just believed what we were taught. I mean, that's the whole thing um, with the church in the beginning. We didn't even have access to the Word of God. It was told to us by men that stood before us and said, this is what it is, until the Reformation came, and that changed. And so God has made it available for us to know the truth. And it is the truth that sets us free. And there, you know, we hear this, don't sweat the small stuff. It really is true. It works in every area of our lives. If we sweat the small stuff in our business, in our homes, in our faith, then we're not going to all agree because we're people and we have God gave us the capacity to think. But when we are slaves to a way of thinking, we and we don't have the freedom to think for ourselves, then we won't dream. Because you'll think that this is what I'm this is what I'm supposed to do. Maybe you were born in this small town of Picocin and you've lived in this small town of Picocin forever. <coughs> And you have this great big dream for something that you don't see how it can happen in the small town of the coast, but you're a slave to where you were born or to what's around you. God challenges us to think. Think with Him. Let Him say, no, you're not. You're not challenged. I believe that this small town, and you know what? And I believe it. Actually, more because it is a small town, and I believe it because of this small congregation, you can change the world because you can take credit. It's like, oh, that little tiny group of people did that, they did that, that little small town sent someone to the White House, sent missionaries to you know the nations, that little small church did that, that little group of people. Yes, because then God gets the credit. Because you can't, you guys can't take the credit, right? I belong to a little small church too. But on Sunday mornings when we meet there, there is not a little small sound coming up to heaven. There is a big sound. And I know the Lord is just going, yeah, that's my kids. That's my kids. And they're loving me. They're loving me and they're loving on me. And I'm going to fill them out. Fill them up. Because they got to go out. I'm going to fill them up today while they're here so they can go out. Don't be a slave to small thinking. Open your Bible and look at what the Lord did. There's lots of history in there. You can see men and women all through the entire Old Testament and the New Testament who could not have possibly done the things that they did. And a lot of times God gave them this much. One step. Abraham, I want you to go to the land where I'm going to send you. Okay, God, where's that? Well, just go and I'll show you. How many of us would take that step? But over and over and over again, as we read the history of men and women who trusted God with everything that they were, we see that they took risk and that God always was there. He took Moses and he led them. He, he, he had Moses lead his people out of captivity, out of slavery. And and then he rose up Joshua, who led them into the promised land. And we live in the promised land. Anyone in this country that makes twenty five thousand dollars or more a year in your household, and according to the census, and the the median household in Faucon is eighty four thousand nine hundred dollars, so you are amongst the richest people in the world, even from a natural perspective. According to the census of the world, if you make $25,000 or more, you are in the top 95% of the richest, wealthiest people in the world. Because there are people living with a whole lot less. We live in the promised land. We have the ability to do things. Anything you can imagine, you can do. And bigger Ephesians three twenty, I believe. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within that is at work within us, to him be the glory and the in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. My brain hasn't memorized in King James. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. I don't know about you, I can see pretty big. I have a vision for a city. My city is Newport News. And I have a vision for that city to be a light and a state. And I believe Buddy and Denise probably have that vision for this city. And Tanya and Ten, Thomas and Angie have a vision for this city to be a light. It's the dark time. The world, we're in a dark time. But you have hope because you have Christ in you. You carry with you the power of God in Christ Jesus everywhere you go. You have the ability to change the atmosphere or be changed by the atmosphere. It's your choice every day. Every time you walk out, you get to decide because you have Christ in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes if, if I had put a million dollars in your bank account and you didn't know it, you may let your power get turned off or your water get turned off because you didn't know that that money was there to pay that bill, Right? If you don't know that Christ in you, your hope of glory, brings with it all the power of God, then you may not use that. And the way that you'll know that is to get your head in that book. Read the book. He wrote you love letters. He wanted you to know who you were and who you are. He wanted you to have a vision. To be a light. In the midst of darkness. And that one light, you know how light works? Even this little funky candle that we were having trouble with earlier. If it was dark in here and I walked in, even with this little tiny bit of light, the darkness would go away. Because light expels darkness. You have the power to do that. Now You can choose to believe this. And I wouldn't suggest that you believe it only because I'm saying it. I would suggest that you believe it because you go to the Word and you say, what do you say, God? What about that chick What she was saying? Is that stuff true? Can I really believe this? Can I really be focused? And can I really, even in this economy, prosper? Mm -hmm.
0: This is a really
1: messed up economy. Can I prosper? Can my business prosper? Yes. And when your business prospers, people will take note of it. And when your church prospers, people will take note of it and they'll say, How is that happening? And you will have to give the credit to God. And then he will be magnified. And that's what we do. We are representers of Jesus Christ. We are not called to reflect our culture, rather to infect it. It's a choice. We get to choose every day to either become a part of it and talk in those same conversations of of um, defeat, or to infect them with a the desire for something more, something better. You, if you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, if you think. All of you old and young and men and women alike, think to your first love. And think about, you know, when you were th- in third grade and that little boy for the first time caught your eye or smiled at you or something. And just the excitement. We have to get excited about our relationships with the Lord. He has something that the world needs. And we carry it. Vision gives pain a purpose. You know, we started out by saying that um, without vision you're either working on trying to get rid of the pain or finding comfort. Vision gives pain a purpose. For any bodybuilders in the room or people who work out in the gym, when you go to the gym and you work out really, really hard and it's painful, the thing that keeps you going is that you see the results. You know that this T- this pain is temporary and my health is going to be better because I'm taking the time to eat healthy and exercise and do the things. And so the vision for that healthy life gives your pain a purpose. Perspective is everything. I'll tell you a quick little story about a, and I don't know, one of the things that, I don't know what how much time I have. Um, there was a bricklet there were three men they were at a construction site and, and a man walked up to the first guy and he says hey what are you doing he says I'm laying brick what does it look like I'm doing so okay he goes up to the second guy and he says hey what are you doing he says I'm building a wall what does it look like I'm doing he goes up to the third guy and he says hey what are you doing he says, I'm building a cathedral for the Lord. Perspective's everything. You can lay brick, you can build walls, or you can build the kingdom. Yes, yes. And it's all just perspective. It's your choice. You get to choose. You know, that that bricklayer that's just putting bricks in all day long, he's, he's a clock watcher. He's He's doing his duty, his eight hours to try to get a paycheck and he's wasting away his life because most of the time he's there he's doing something he hates he's just laying brick if he got a hold of Jesus and he knew what he was doing his life would change because he would be building the kingdom of God and that's the same for us we don't work for money you might want to argue that point with me. But we don't work for money. We work to honor God. And we get paid for it. So that we can honor God's people. And take care of our own families. But our reason for work, our motivation for work can't be to get paid. It has to be or, or you will get bored. And you will Be defeated, and you will spend a great deal of your life doing things that you don't want to do. Someone said, um, find what you love to do, and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Look, I'm just a small-time person, told you a little bit of my past already. What I do over there isn't huge, but what but what I do is so much bigger than me. We we're in we're in Newport News, and we started out a few years ago. I was working a perfectly comfortable job at Christopher Newport University um, five years ago, and, and one day I thought I heard the Lord say, "It's it's time." <laughs> I'm like okay, time for what? It's time to start moving in that dream that you've had in your heart for a long, long time. And I had, worked, I had gone out after that dream before and had um, been successful at it for a couple of years and then had to lay it down. I'd done that a couple of times. Gone back to work for somebody else. Here I'm at the university. I have a pretty cushy job over there easy job, go to work every day, love what I was doing, love the people, love the students, just love being in the middle of that community. I love my city. I love what that university is bringing to my city, the opportunities for education and um, jobs and what what can go out from there, how people can be, lives can be changed because of what they're learning there, students. I say, okay, Lord, what, what are we doing And he started to give me just one step. Just one step. Do this one step. It's okay. I knew that one step. Now do this. Now I could see down here what the bigger picture was, but he didn't put the burden of that bigger picture on my heart. He gave me one step. He said, just do this. Just do this. Well, we did what he said. And some people came alongside of me. And Carol is one of those people. These ladies here are people. This couple here are people. Buddy and Denise and Tanya. We're all in this thing together. And uh, just this past week, we've been in this location for a year and a half that we're currently in. And God's Growing our ministry and um, giving us more vision for a bigger impact on the city. And so I signed a contract for a a place that's three times in the same shopping center that we're currently at at Hydenwood, three times larger than what we're in right now. Now, does it scare? I'm going to tell you, I almost threw up. I'm not kidding.
0: (laughs) when I looked at the
1: number, the dollar figure on this, on on just the rent, I mean, when when I first started out five years ago, I rented a little office that was $300 a month, and that almost made me throw up five years ago. This was considerably more than that, and for a three-year contract instead of a one-year contract. And when I looked at the total amount of money, it was the largest thing I'd ever signed besides when my husband and I bought our house, which isn't a really expensive house, but it's scared me. but I trust that He is the one who is guiding the ship, the boat, since we're in the coast and all this water is around us. He's the one. He's the one that's guiding it. He's the one that wants to change his city. My little dreams and heart, my, He lets me be a part of it. I feel honored to be a part of what God is doing. And so we're trusting that he will continue to expand his kingdom. And it's not going to look the same because the walls are coming down. And you're going to have Baptists and Methodists and Episcopals in the same church worshiping the same God. And that is going to be exciting to him. It'll be exciting to us as well, but it'll be exciting to him. So what are the benefits of dreaming? God-sized dreams. You'll have big dreams. You'll have big friends. Don't be afraid of them. (laughs) My dreams, this place is really big, but I can see the whole shopping center. I mean, honestly, I can see the whole shopping center. With Christian businesses there that that are employing people, that are raising their families, but they're alike. So somebody walks in that door and they go, oh man, I came to get my shoe repaired, but something's going on in here. And you say Oh, it's probably the presence of God. You've probably just been... Can't, sorry, you know, he hangs out here with us. And they um, and go, oh, wow, this is... I'm going to tell you, this lady right here... I love this lady right here. I didn't mean to put him on the spot. She walked into our place over there. And that's what happened to her. She walked in an unchurched woman... She didn't have all this stuff to unlearn, thankfully. Because the church sometimes has not done a great job of teaching us of our freedom in Christ. And has kept us slaves. But she walked in just to see what we were. Didn't know. And the next thing you know, she's getting a cup of coffee, crying her eyes out. And going, I don't know why I'm crying. I do. Let me take you in here and we'll pray. And she encountered Christ. That's how your home should be. That's how this place should be. That's how your car should be. And when people come around you, they should encounter the very presence of God. And you can do that. Because He's already there. It's just learning that you have that Christ in you. God's not limited. We're limited, but he's not. He is able, willing, and even calling us to dream bigger. That Ephesians 3.20. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Continuity. God's not limited by your past, but is always sensitive to it and creates a future that establishes a continuity for you. Philippians 3.13. You can look that up later. Direction and purpose. People with vision chart a desired destination for their followers. That's what they're doing here at KTP. They're, they're, they have, they're people with purpose. They desire that God be magnified and that people's lives be changed by his presence. And so they chart, of course, that we can follow. Increased interest and commitment. When we believe God is involved, our efforts become more aggressive at creating the desired future. Exodus 33.15. I do want to read this. um, Because this this is something, this is my heart's cry. And hopefully yours too. Actually, I'll start up at, it's 33, I'll start at 12. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that, the na- that this nation is your people. Don't you love the way that Moses was able to just talk to God like he was sitting right next to you? See, sometimes we think we have to say, oh, dear Lord, heavenly Father, oh, gracious one. And we have to talk in this language. If that's your language, that's cool. But if it's not, you don't have to speak that way. Moses just said, hey, God, uh, you're asking me to do this, but who are you going to send with me? I'm just not sure that I can do this by myself. And the Lord says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Rest. Then Moses said to him in verse 15, If your presence does not go up with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And that's a question for you too. What else is going to distinguish us from all the other people on the earth? If the presence of God is not with us, we look like everybody else. So that's my heart's cry. God, what you do, what you tell me to do, where we go, your presence has to go with us. And if your presence is not going, don't send us because I don't want to go because certainly I have nothing to offer. And this is why I tell the women every Monday night, I have nothing for you. Don't look to me to be your savior. I can't fix you. I can't help you. I can share Christ with you. And he can change your life. He can rock your world and if his presence is with me your life can be changed but if he's not there i don't it, it's just me i got nothing so we ask god his presence needs to go with us we need to represent his presence in the in the marketplace in our communities Acceptable change. One outgrowth of real vision is change. This is one of the hardest things for people because we like things the way they are. You know, a beautiful little community like this, probably there are lots of um, things that have been the same for a long, long time. I know it was that way for our city in Newport News. You know, that little area of Hydenwood, things had been... We had this little college there, and, you know, we had Shoe Lane, and we had all these little things that were there. And, and the city... A lot of people in the city didn't really want it to change. And so when Paul Trouble came in with this great vision, people objected. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know? I I, I don't really know the answer to that, but what I do know is that now there are students, over 5,000 of them there, being educated to go change the world. The, the person that comes up with the cures for, you know, our current diseases might be a we of studying right now. We have a generation. We have an obligation to this generation. You know, God talked always about um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did that specifically. He always said, I am the God of, because it was three generations. We don't have all the answers. There was a generation that went before us that we can gain great wisdom for. And there's a generation that we're bringing up that we are... Obligated to teach. I read somewhere recently that we're one generation away from Christ's name, not even being known on the earth. Because there's so many of our young people that are unchurched today. We are the ones responsible for that. We have to raise up this next generation. Vision acts as a filter for opportunities. (laughs) Controversies become useful points of discussion to clarify the vision and to energize the people. Just because we don't agree on things, and just because there's a controversy, doesn't mean what we're doing is bad. It gives us an opportunity to talk with each other and work through those things. Where openness, where God's vision is pursued, a higher premium is placed on the new ideas. Take advantage of the ambiguity in the world. Look at something and look about what look about what else it might be. A lot of times things get thrown off. Like this building, it was sitting for a while and only being used once a month or something by the women's club. And you all looked at it and said, that could be a place that we gather to magnify the name of the Lord. That's dreaming, God-sized dreams. Encouragement. The church led by God's vision for outreach brems with confidence. Confidence. When people feel good about themselves, they perform better. They have greater endurance and they are less likely to burn out. And all of us have probably been in that place where we're burning out or we don't feel good about ourselves. And loyalty. Men and women with vision are more likely to feel like they are truly a part of God's, building God's kingdom and therefore they remain loyal. <coughs> So, all of this being said, I encourage you to get a vision for your city. I encourage you to ask God say, I want to dream with you. I want you to take all of the blinders off of me. I want to dream again. And don't be afraid. Failure doesn't mean failure, it's getting back up that's important. You know, you'll read testimonies from great men and women in the Bible as well as in the world, that if they had just stayed down when they fell the first time, we wouldn't have lots of what we have available today. But they were not afraid of risk, and they were not afraid of failure, and they moved forward with the Lord. But the first thing you have to do in order to do that is to know Him. And I'm not going to assume that just because you're in this room this morning that you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Because sometimes we just spend time at church or maybe that's what our family did. You know, like this women's club. There's probably women in here that come here to these meetings once a month because their moms did and their grandmothers did. And they may not even get the vision of the women's club and what it is that they were called to do. There are people that go to church week after week after week. That that's their story. They do it because their parents did, or their grandparents did, or they feel like it's some moral obligation. God is not desire that God doesn't care about their performance. He cares about the relationship with them. So I want to ask you to look into your own heart and ask yourself: Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life? as your Lord and Savior? Are you ready and willing to let Him be the focus? Let Him to woo you and love on you for a while to break up all that mess that the world's put in there from failures and hurts and disappointments? I can't answer that for you and you can't answer it for anyone else. And we don't ride into heaven on our parents' coat strings. We each have to make that decision for ourselves because as I said before, God is a perfect gentleman and he never forces us into relationship with him. But he so desires it. He so desires. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to say, if you want to know Jesus, It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to start out hiding. You can stand up and say, I don't want to play the game anymore. I don't want to be a church goer anymore. I want to be a kingdom builder. I want to know this Jesus. And if that's you and you want to stand up, I would invite you to do that now. In your heart and what is that wall that keeps you from doing what God's called you to do what is the wall that keeps you from having a great vision and ask God to reveal it to you because he will if you say and you can call him daddy even I know that might sound a little personal but he's a personal God and you can say daddy I want to serve you but I don't know how to do it I don't know how to get to my vision because I do have to work this job and it's not what I want to do it is just laying brick and he can show you how to turn that brick laying job into a cathedral building job while you're there I thank you for this people and I thank you God for their heart for you and your heart for them. I thank you for Buddy and Denise and Tanya and Tim and Thomas and all of the other men and women who have committed themselves to this um, fellowship who live in this city the city of Pocosin and who see a greater vision not just for great things like prosperity and good schools but a place where people can come and walk into your presence and by the very nature of being in your presence be healed in their hearts, in their bodies, in their minds. Jesus Christ said that he was come, he came so that we could have life and have it more abundant. That means this life too, Lord, and we want that. We want that now. In the midst of... um, a world that doesn't have a whole lot of hope. We want to be hope for them as we represent Jesus to them. And God, I just thank you for every person here that you would open their eyes again to to see and open their ears to hear from you and open their hearts even through their disappointments, Lord, to dream with you again, to dream big for this city and for your kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord
0: a hand clap.